0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, how many of y'all like coffee shops? All right. I guess that's why the 11 o'clock service is the 11 o'clock service. Just so you know, you have the most people that like coffee in all three services. But I had this thing about coffee shops where I'd go past coffee shops or I'm going in and coming out, and I'll see people on their laptops or their iPads, and they look like they were concentrating, they were doing some great work on there, and they just looked cool. It looked like they were focused to doing something, and I was like, man, I want to be cool. You know, so I have an office of my own, but it just felt like I was this pool to just go into a coffee shop and do work inside a coffee shop. So, so I, was like, I told my wife and I said, man, man, I just think, I just think it's, it's just got the look, you know, like, yeah, you're doing something. OK, so I want to be a part of it. So she said, all right, you know, whatever. And I said, OK, cool. So the day came had my bag, put my computer in. I'm going to the coffee shop. Now, I'm not coffee guru, coffee literate. So uh, all I know is I got to order something that does not have mocha in it. Because me and chocolate are not friends. So I get to the coffee shop and I look for caramel. And I'm like, okay, give me that. That has caramel in it. I order it. I sit down, get to my spot, take my computer out. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to be looking so cool. And so I open my computer and then I start trying to work. Now, I mean, you know, there's so much movement in the coffee shop, people going in and people going out. So I take a sip and then I lift my head. Okay, who's that? do they know me? Am I supposed to say hi? And I was so distracted and so bored in that experience. In the next first 15 minutes, I was like, man, this is not for me. I'm not called to work in a coffee shop. So... But my imagination had taken me to the place and the experience of what a coffee shop experience could look like. And so I imagined it and it created a picture for me of what that experience could be. See, imagination is a tool that God has blessed us with. Okay? Now, God says this in Isaiah 46.10. He says, I make known the end from the beginning. I make known the end from the beginning, which means that he sees and he knows the end. And God gives us the tool in imagination to be able to imagine an end that gives us vision that we can pursue or that we can move towards. So imagination is a tool that God gives us and it creates a picture or a vision of what he wants us to achieve or that he has set for us. Now, imagination, if it's distorted, it gets us into this realm called fantasy. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is the realm of fantasy. You see, fantasy is imagining that which is unrealistic, impossible, or improbable. Okay? Fantasy is imagining or setting your heart or your mind to something that is unrealistic, impossible or improbable. Now, psychologists have this theory. It's called arousal theory, okay? Now, I'm no psychologist, so don't try and mock me on this and say, "Okay, that dude, he thinks he knows about psychology. No, I just studied a little bit about arousal theory." Okay. So they have this principle called arousal theory. So what they say is, everybody has an optimum arousal level. An optimum arousal level. And when it's disturbed, it creates a motivation to bring things back to optimum. So for example, when you feel hungry, it means that the the arousal levels have twisted or shifted. And so it creates a motivation to look for, okay, these guys are here in church. Okay. All right? It, it, it cre- I'm hungry, it creates a motivation for me to look for, oh there you go, okay now we're all in church, to look for food to come back to optimum level. Or if I am tired, I'm going to take a nap again to bring back, my, to bring myself back to that optimum arousal level. So there's a motivation there to bring myself back to that level. So what imagination does when you're starting to see things in vision, it creates a motivation to accomplish that vision so you are disturbed inside of you in a good way to move forward to get the thing that you're desiring in God to bring yourself back to a place of satisfaction, peace, and and things like that. But when it is fantasy because it is something that is unrealistic, something that is impossible, something that is improbable, you are never going to get it so you're constantly living life unsatisfied. You're constantly living life feeling like something is missing. Something is not enough. I'm not getting where I need to get to. And so we get stuck in that place of fantasy and are not moving in the place where God wants us to move to, which is in vision. And it happens a lot. You know, a young man, the day of his marriage or his wedding, he's wearing his nice suit looking all suave and he's cheesing because he thinks every day is going to be Christmas, because <laughs> he's going to be getting some sugar that he didn't think he was going to get, because now he's married, it's all in God, so it's going to be great, I do, I do, and he's cheesing, and in his mind, is set up this vision that is stuck in the realm of fantasy, because then when reality hits, not every day is open for sugar. Reality hits and he realizes, well, there's something's called budget. If there's no food in the house, if there's no provision, the wife is not happy. There is no sugar. And so he, he then comes to the full experience of what marriage really is. And all of a sudden he's thinking, man, maybe marriage isn't for me or I married the wrong person. But no, you were stuck in the realm of fantasy. And the same is true. Mom, she's a new woman. She wants to be a mom. Just thinking to herself, oh, when I have my baby, it's going to be cuddles. Walk by the window, see the new outfits. Oh, she would look so cute in that. It's going to be fantastic. We can just cuddle and I'm going to sing and we're going to do all these great things. Then the baby gets born and it's great. And then all of a sudden you're introduced to spit up. You're introduced to blow ups. You're introduced to, well, you don't have to stay asleep. You can wake up at 2 in the morning, and after that, wake up at 4 in the morning, and you're not without sleep. And you're so zombified, you take the salt, and you put it in the fridge, and you take the milk, and you put it in the cupboard because you're so tired. And all of a sudden, that experience doesn't look like what you imagined in the realm of fantasy. And it can get so deep that somebody can say, I'm not a good mom. I'm not mother material. What was I thinking? I shouldn't have kids. I'm terrible. Because again, things were stuck in the realm of what is unrealistic, that is impossible, that is improbable. And judge ourselves based on the fact that we're not aiming and getting to that level. And same is true, Somebody who's starting a business. You know, you're thinking, I'm gonna start a business, I'm gonna stick it to the man. So, I'm gonna have my own business. I'm not gonna wake nine to five. I'm gonna be my own boss. So, that means I'm gonna give myself time off. I'm able to chill and do the things that I wanna do. And then you start the business and you realize you're working more hours than you ever did when you were working for somebody else because it's a different proposition altogether. But because your vision and your thought process, your imagination led you to the realm of fantasy. And it's now difficult or impossible for you to actually get to where you want to get to. See, the realm of fantasy is where we chase after the satisfaction of life by our own means. That's what happens when we're stuck in that realm of fantasy. Fantasy can be so debilitating. Okay? Because it creates emotions. Again, whether you're imagining in vision or you're imagining towards fantasy, it creates emotions that are real, and oftentimes we respond out of those emotions. So, here's the thing that happened with me and my friends. I don't know if you guys did this, but we did. So, it's lunchtime. We really don't want to go home because, you know, we're hanging out and we're having fun. So, we start imagining, saying, What would happen if we found a roasted Ear of corn. Oh man, it'll be so delicious. This is my, my, me and my friend having this interaction. Oh, that would be so good. Like, I like it roasted to where it's almost burnt, you know, because that's where the flavor comes off. I'm like, man, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Ooh, I'm getting even hungry. Just keeping on thinking about it. And then I said, you know what? We need to. It's only one, so we have to share it. So when we break it, I'll take the bottom part and you take the top part. He goes, no. Well, you got to take the bottom part. Because you know the bottom part has more kernels on it. Well, you got to take the bottom part. Well, I'm the one who thought about it. <laughs> and then he would say, yeah. but I'm older. <laughs> Why should that matter that you're older? I'm the one who thought of it, so I'm the one who sh- I call dibs. No, you, and then all of a sudden we're in a Fight. About an ear of corn that is never going to appear. I'm 42 years old. It's never happened where an ear of corn just suddenly appears in front of me. It's never happened. But we're fighting three days. We're not talking to each other. Because you're cheating me on something that's never going to be. But that's what imagination and fantasy does. It creates real emotions that we then begin to act out of. But when we stop to think, we're in a place that is crippling us. That is causing us not to move towards God, but move towards self-gratification. And that is very... That's not where God wants us to live. That's not where God wants us to be. So I'm going to talk about some of the ways that this happens. Okay, Some of the ways that we fall into fantasy. The first one is... They are better. We're in a land of fantasy where everybody is better than me. They're doing better, they live better. I mean, look at that body that they have. It's a great body. I wish I could have that body. I don't look as good as they do. And so I assume, in my imagination, they're happy. The reason I'm not happy is because I have a terrible body and they're happy and I have no idea they're in life. Zero. Never talk to them. Oh, I look and I see and it looks like they have amassed wealth from themselves and I go, oh my gosh, life is terrible. Yeah. I live here with my two-bedroom home. They have 16. Yes. They must be happy. If I had 16, yes. if I could be like them, Oh, oh, marriage. You look at Pastor Josh and Sarah and you say, oh my goodness, they have a wonderful marriage. If only my marriage could be like that. If you're a woman, you're looking at Pastor Josh you're saying, look at how well he dresses. He knows the scripture so well like a man of God. My man's still learning how to spell Genesis. But he's got it made. Oh, I just wish that I could have something like that. Oh, you're a woman and you're looking at, you're a man, you're looking at Pastor Sarah, and you're going, man, look at how she smiles and she supports him. My wife ain't supported me for a minute. I don't even know what she thinks about me. (laughs) And so you look at that and you compare and you think that this is better and this is terrible because they look better. And so your imagination takes in the land of fantasy to have that image. But then Paul says, right, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That imitation is not imitating a look, but imitating principle that creates results. So, both you and I could be practicing principles, and our marriages will look different, but they're both successful. We don't all have to look the same way, we don't all have to do the same things, but as long as we're practicing principle, then we find freedom. So, thinking that somebody is better is a distortion of truth. They're not better, they are different. So, you're not better, which is the next one I am better. Stuck in the realm of fantasy, I am better. Yeah, you know, you give me a new song, we would have five campuses by now. If I was the one leading it, yeah, we would be all over the map. Slow movement happening here, but if it was me, I got this. Or, or you look at the auditorium, you go, you know, they stack chairs at the back of the church. Now, I'm into interior designing, that's a terrible look. If I was in charge, we would never have chairs in the back there. And so you're looking at things and you're thinking, I can do better. You have no information to detail. You have no information to budget. You have no information to experience. But your imagination takes you to a place where you think, I got it made. I can do it. And it's improbable. So sometimes we push through it. Like if it's a promotion. John got promoted before me. That was a terrible decision. I'm better than John. I should have been promoted, not John. But then the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. So John was promoted by the Lord, not by me, not by his bosses. So if I realize that my time is not yet, so my job is to realize that I still need to work on myself to get better because I know that my time will come and not to look at John and envy him or just compare myself with John and think that he, I'm better than John. See, sometimes we push through it. Sometimes by means that are not righteous. So that we get to that end product because we desire it so bad because we think we're better. And then we get there and we realize what a terrible experience it is. Because again, it was in the realm of fantasy. Now if it's in vision, here's what the Bible says. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So if I'm walking in vision, I'm pressing through to what God has called me to. There is no sorrow attached to it. I am in peace. But if I press through to something that is not what God has called me to, there's no peace. There's no peace at all. Because I'm following the fantasies of my flesh. The third one is if only I had. Now I fall into this one. I fall into this. One. See, I didn't grow up with a father. My dad wasn't around. So oftentimes, it still happens on occasion, but oftentimes when I was growing up, I always felt I was broken, that I was not man enough, that I was missing something that made me a man because I didn't have my father in the house to look up to. But I didn't have a place where I can go and say, you know, dad, I'm struggling with this, and he can guide me along and say, hey, this is what you need to do, son. This is how life works. This is how men handle things. And I always felt that I just wasn't man enough. And I would be stuck in the realm of fantasy, feeling if only my father were here, maybe I wouldn't have some of the problems that I am experiencing. But then God had to... Stop me and remind me that, listen, being a male is a matter of birth, but being a man is a matter of choice. That if you choose the principles that I lay out in the word of God of what a man of God is, then you are a man of God. So you don't have to look at somebody else or another picture or imagine a thing to assume what manhood is. You are a man because I've called you to be a man and walking in the principles of truth that determine your manhood. And so I lack no good thing. And, and we can do that also in, in monetary places, right? If only I had a million dollars, my problems would go away. I'd pay off my, dad, my debt. Once I pay off debt, build a house for my mom. To a house for my cousin. Oh, hang on a minute. I need to tithe. I'll tithe first. And then after I tithe, yes. then I will do all these things. <laughs> Listen to me, Gerald. If you don't have the character to handle a million dollars, whether it's given to you, it's going to destroy you. Yes. Having a million dollars is not the answer to your situation. Yes. See, a million dollars is an abstract amount that's far away. The answer to what you need is right in front of you. It is in you. God has given you the ability to overcome. So you wishing for something is not guaranteed that you're going to experience the breakthrough when you have it. Exodus 20 and 17 says, do not covet. Now to covet is the word chamad, And this word means to to have selfish desires or, or, or a seeking that is ungoverned. There's no structure, no limitations. You just want. You just have deep desire. And so you deeply desire things in the hope that they will improve your life. Then the other one is this one's different. God kind of dropped this one up later on while I was working on this. Is you're called, but you're inactive. So you're taking the thing that God has actually given you and you place it in the realm of fantasy. You've been called to be a teacher but you ain't doing nothing because it seems like it's unrealistic. You've been called to be prophetic. You do nothing about it because it seems unrealistic. You've been called to start a business that can fund other ministries to do God's work. But you've taken that vision. You put it in the realm of fantasy. And now it just seems like something that's unrealistic. It's been 5, 10, 15 years. And you're just sitting and waiting in the sweet by and by that somehow the vision that God has given you will happen with taking no steps. Because you've stuck it in the realm of fantasy. So what actually ministers to you is closing your eyes and thinking about how it would feel like but never actually moving Can you imagine Would it will be good one day when i have this done but you see the thing is the vision of the lord gives you steps that you take to get to the intended results fantasy has no steps it's just a good old feeling that you have on the inside of you And then the fifth one is, things aren't supposed to be this way. Things aren't supposed to be this way. See, we assume that if I'm walking with God, if I really have a relationship with God, I would feel a particular way. There would not be any sadness. So if I'm sad, I'm not walking with the Lord. If I have a negative experience, I'm not walking with the Lord. Because things aren't supposed to be this way. I know this one word that I hear a lot, revival. There's going to be a revival. God wants to do a revival. I So here's what happens. You look around, you see empty chairs, and you're thinking, oh, this really ain't a revival. Because if this is really a revival, every chair would be filled. It would be packed. That's what a revival is. But what I'm telling you here is God is moving in this house and the revival is happening in this house. Not because I imagine a revival to have full pe- people that are full here, but knowing what God is actually doing. Our numbers being added to us daily, people getting saved, people understanding the principles of life and walking in freedom. People talk about Azusa, Azusa Street Revival. Right, And then we imagine Azusa Street Revival. We imagine the revivals of the past. And we assume, oh my gosh, everything was happening. People were getting healed. God was just moving. You could touch the presence of God. Wow, and you're having this experience. But you were not there. So you really don't know what it felt like. In the midst of the Azusa Street Revival, there was somebody probably sitting in the corner going, what time is this going to end? <laughs> <laughs> but you would imagine it. You think everybody... Was having this amazing experience, but you imagine it to be that way, and so because you don't have that feeling of something that God is doing right in the in your presence, right in front of you, you miss it because you assume it to have to be a particular way, and revival just passes on by while you're right in the middle of it because it ain't supposed to be this way. So we've got to be careful when we're looking at things that we assume how they're supposed to feel, what they're supposed to create, because in doing so, we can miss out. So, what's the crux crux of it all? God created imagination and it has a purpose. Satan manipulates and pushes us towards fantasy when we use our imagination and the enemy pushes us No, yeah the the enemy pushes us towards fantasy but God pushes us towards vision so what vision is vision is the ability to see with our spiritual eyes the things that God has set for us then imagination becomes the tool that we use to see the things that God has set aside for us Proverbs 29 verse 18 okay? Where there is no vision, the people? Okay, now this part is in church, and this part is not in church, okay? Where there's, where there's no vision, the people? Okay, that's interesting, right? But it doesn't stop there. What else does it say? But he that? Okay, six people are in church. Come on, work with me here. But he that? Happy is? Okay, so, we have this thing about vision. If there's no vision, the people are going to perish. Again, you're perishing because you're moving towards fantasy, the unachievable. Okay, So you're living a lackluster, unsatisfied life. So sometimes we talk about it and we say, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for God to give me vision. I'm waiting to have vision. So close your eyes real tight. No, it ain't come yet. But I'm waiting for vision in my mind. But then it's interesting that the scripture says, he that keeps the law is happy. Why? Because the Bible's already given you vision. So you're really looking for this abstract, grandiose thing. And right in front of you, it says, take care of the poor. Right in front of you, it says, visit those that are in prison. Right in front of you says, hey, there are people that don't have a glass of water. And you are saying, hey, I ain't doing no that because that's not vision. That's not my vision. And people say a lot of things like that, right? It's not my call. I ain't called to that. You are called to that, but I ain't called to that. But you ain't doing nothing. Even though you ain't called to a lot of things, it seems like God ain't called you to nothing at all. Keep the law. Follow the principles of God. You are walking in vision because happy is he. And we get stuck in the details of vision. You see, when God gives you vision, he gives you an inspiration towards that vision. Okay? So inspiration is the gateway to vision. But sensuality is the gateway to fantasy. So fantasy is all about stirring up your senses so that you can assume or start thinking or imagining a thing that is improbable. Whereas vision, God gives you inspiration, which results in you thinking, which results in you seeing things you can do, which results in you taking steps, which results in you getting to the vision. But sensuality has really no steps. And the world knows it. The world knows it. That's why you have all these wonderful commercials. Because they're there to arouse my sensuality. Have you seen the chocolate commercial? See the chocolate is in that little packet? And then they open it, and and it goes, wow. It's like a breath of wind came out when the chocolate was open. (laughs) And then I'm like, yeah, I want to experience this breath of wind. Oh, my gosh. This chocolate experience is just amazing. Amazon.com, two boxes ordered. (laughs) Because they appeal to my senses. They appeal to my sensuality. In the same vein, I see a car and on the car is a lady that's not dressed adequately enough. Now, I'm never going to meet this lady. I don't even know what her name is. I don't even know where she lives. But uh, somehow, if I get that car, the feeling that I have is what I have because I saw her on that thing. Why are they doing that? Because they're arousing my senses. Creating a fantasy... And then I think that when I have this car, and what happens after a week of driving this car? No lady. She ain't called me. She ain't said nothing to me. She was just on the commercial though. What happens when you get that thing that they advertise? There was no wind in the chocolate. All it had was calories. But because I was stuck in the realm of fantasy, that gave me a real emotion. And I'm thinking, my life's going to change. No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. And I'm stuck there. And it's not just in commercials. It's in the news. Right? How do I get you to vote for a candidate? I just need to tell you how bad that other one is. Okay? This one is a terrible candidate, terrible person. And then I start hating him. Oh, that's terrible. That guy, ugh. I don't ever want to meet with him. And on the other side, that guy, he smokes weed in the office. Oh, I don't want to vote for this guy. He smokes weed in the office. Never seen him do it. Never. Never seen the bad things that this person did. But they know it's going to arouse me, get me angry, because they know these are principles I live by. So this guy's terrible. But you know what? <laughs> They're all terrible. <laughs> You know how I know? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's how I know that they're all terrible. So what I, what I actually need is for God to minister to me, to show me the principles that I need to see, to show me what a person is like, to show me, to investigate and see and actually get information on who I'm going to vote for. And not just by feeling. See, we're stuck in this place, in this generation where, well, if it feels true, it must be true. Truth isn't a feeling, my friends. Truth is truth, whether I like it or not. Whether I feel it or not. Truth is going to be truth. So what's the point of all this? Okay, so this was my introduction, now I'm beginning the sermon. Okay, so how do we get out of this place that we're stuck in when it comes to fantasy? Now, first of all, God tells us, Philippians 4.18, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So that's where I'm going to set my mind on. Okay? This platform here and whoever ministers on this platform is in competition with that screen platform that is in your home. So if you come here and this is the only experience you have with the Word of God and then you go to the other platform And you're binge-watching so many shows and movies and then assume you're going to have sensitivity to God. You've got that whole thing messed up. So then what happens is, because you're constantly feeding on this stuff, it creates fantasy in your head. What you assume is good is based on the feeling that you have on the show. See, some of these shows... You want the bad guy to win, right? (laughs) Some of these shows, you want somebody who's actually breaking the law to be the victor in the show. You have an affinity, and affection because of the way they introduce the character. And then if you're not careful, you start building philosophies around that. Because you're not having an intake of the word of God. So then the Bible says, Romans 12 and verse two, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your, that you might be able to see God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've been raised up to follow our desires. We've been raised up with a mindset that looks to the things of this world. There has to be a transformation in our minds in order for us to see truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 3 and 5, but just to give you a backdrop, when you read 2 Corinthians, some theologians say it's actually the third letter to the Corinthians, and in it, Paul has a different tone when you look at the first chapters. When he gets to chapter 10, he's standing in defense of himself, and the reason he's doing that is because there have been accusations against him that he's actually not a man of God and that he does not walk in the ways of God. So that's the accusation. So he says, listen, when I come to you, I am timid. I, I, don't, I don't blast. But he says, but when I write, when I write, I am bold. And don't, I don't want to come and be bold when I'm in your presence. Right? So then he picks it up from verse 3. and says, for, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war." after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of god and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of jesus christ canality has to do with senses So if you go to a motivational session, which I'm not saying do not, but if you go to a motivational talking, motivational speaking thing, they will motivate you, okay? Again, they're driving at your senses. What you want is inspiration that comes from God, but let me talk a little bit more on that. So for example, you meet somebody who loves to run. They stand here and they say, running is the way to physical uh, exercise and, and, and to make you feel good and healthy. And they're so passionate to give you 10 reasons why running is amazing. While you're sitting there, you're thinking, man, I think I've got to run. I think I've got to do this. Okay? And then all of a sudden, you get out there, you run, and it's just half a mile in, and you're thinking, this is not my calling. God ain't never called me to run. Okay? Because all they did was make you feel the positives and the, and, and the guiltiness of not doing something that they're passionate about. So it builds up your senses. It builds up your sensuality. Inspiration from God does not just stop in an instance or when you find obstacles. Inspiration from God allows you to keep on pushing through. This one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind and pressing forward to that which God has laid for me. That's inspiration. I press forward. Okay? So, so... That is canality. So Paul is saying, listen, I'm not coming here with canality. We're just trying to get you to get motivated. No, I'm coming with the word of truth that will cuss down the vain imaginations and the vain thoughts. So what do we need to have? Number one is understanding. Number one is understanding. Proverbs 4 and 7 Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Guys, in all you're getting, get understanding. Okay. In all you're getting, get understanding. We cannot live life out of the realm of what we understand and believe. It is impossible. If you don't understand, you cannot live in it. It's impossible. We live life in the realm of what we believe. And understand and so we have to get understanding see knowledge sets up the house the house is built through knowledge and wisdom but it is established through understanding so which means that in everything I'm doing I'm looking into the Word of God to understand what am I understanding I'm understanding who he is and I'm understanding who I am. The Bible says many are the purposes of a man's heart, but a man of understanding draws them. Out, So that means the answer to the situations of my life have been placed in me. The answers to the situations of the things that I am inspired to fix are placed in me. And it is understanding that allows me to draw them out. His divine power has given me everything I need for godliness, for living a godly life. His divine power has set me up. So I lack nothing to do the things that God has set me up to do. The answer is in you. Yeah. You keep looking for the answer outside, but God has set it up in you. What it's going to take, though, to draw it out is understanding. Yes, and you've got to seek it out. You've got to seek it out to get the understanding. Number two is discernment. Yes, now, it's going to be futile for me to say, stop watching TV. That, that's not going to help. That's going to create more of a religious person who's trying their hardest just to stay away from the TV or stay away from listening to things that they probably shouldn't listen to. Okay? Me just telling it to you, that's really not going to give you strength. But what you've got to have is discernment. Okay? Now, it is possible for discernment to be a sense, like I just sense that I should go left and not right. That, that's very possible. But I want to give you another understanding of descendment. Descendment can be predictive to the future by being analytical to the present. Predictive to the future by being analytical to the present. Okay. We know by the principles of God what can happen when certain things take place. Okay. God says... I give you life and death. Choose Okay. And in it, he says, if you do these things, these things will happen. If you go to death and you choose these things, those things will happen. So by being analytical to the present, is looking to see... If what I'm doing, what I'm watching spearheads the principles that God teaches me, then if it does, I can predict that my future will be blessed. But if it's taking me away from the truth of God, I can predict that I'm falling into disaster. But again, if the only experience I have with the word of God, is says five minutes in the morning... And when the preacher preaches, I'm going to be stuck. Because there's a whole lot more that God wants to open me up to in order to create a discerning heart in me. That I can be able to handle the word of truth. Colossians 2.18. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. The hollow philosophies that are out there pulling you in, roping you in. And then all of a sudden it's, oh yeah, we we, we, we just got to have love and just love one another. You know, why, why, why should you judge other people? Judgment is wrong. So don't judge. But if the word of God says this is sin, it is sin. If the word of God says this leads to disaster, it will lead to disaster. So I'm not the one that's judging. I'm just giving you counsel on what truth says. Number three is you got to have clarity of faith. If I say, what is faith? What do people say? Faith is substance. Okay. These people grew up in church over on this side here. (laughs) Y'all didn't go to Sunday school. Okay. Faith is the evidence of things hope for substance or the other way around of things not yet seen right that's what faith is but faith is not blind see if you close your eyes and you just hope that things will just turn out that is not faith faith is substance so which means it can be known and understood and it comes from seeing the word of god that hopes for a thing that is seen. How many of us hope for nothing? Yeah, exactly. Nobody hopes for nothing. Which means you have something that you are hoping for. So faith now is the steps, the keys to get into the thing that you hope for. You're not hearing me because this is life changing. Faith is giving you the steps and the keys to get into the thing that you hope for. See, if we're stuck in this place, okay, you're seeking for healing, you're seeking for change, you're seeking for financial breakthrough, whatever it is that you're seeking for. If you just sit there and feel sorry for yourself and you assume if you look so pitiful, God will be moved and feel sorry for you and then things will happen. No, my friends. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 10.38 If my righteous one should fall away I will not be pleased with him. So if you sit there because again this is human nature, right? If I'm looking pitiful and I'm looking sad Joshua Ramon is going to say Hey, are you okay? What's wrong with you? So I assume if I do that God is going to say the same thing. But guess what? God already knows. So he's not coming to ask you, are you okay? Because he already knows. Right. So, what he's needing from me, what he's looking for me, is face to say, I got to get up. Listen. You can have a sickness and you're wishing and you're dreaming and you're thinking about your healing. But while you are there, what is it that you can do that shows your faith in God? Can you do something that shows that you can build the kingdom of God while you are struggling with the disease? Because you are not the disease. You are a child of God called to build up the kingdom of God. What is it that you can do while you're fighting debt? Do you sit and cower away and just say, God, I hope that one day somebody will come and just drop money in my hand. What is it that you can do that shows that you have faith in God? Stop looking at the things that you do not have and just wishing for them. You are in fantasy. You're in fantasy if you're just sitting there wishing, feeling sad, depressed, sad for yourself, sorry for yourself. God is not going to all of a sudden go, oh my gosh. Yeah, you've amped up this sorriness. i got to do something now. (laughs) God's not doing that. God's just waiting for you to move in faith. And then he rewards. So you've got to have clarity of faith. then the last one. is you got to study. Study the Word of God. Now, it's a bad word. I I said it in the first service on Saturday. Buster Josh Romano almost flipped out when I said this word. But then he cheesed and smiled afterwards. (laughs) See, study involves this very bad word that people don't like. And it's the word work. (laughs) To get out of the realm of fantasy takes studying the word of God which takes work man if only I could just sit here close my eyes and God just shove it in me but he hasn't set it up that way because he knows in the moment I begin to study and begin to go on the journey that the journey itself builds something in me as I seek out his truth And study his word. He says to Timothy. Study to show yourself as a workman who is approved. Who can correctly handle the word of truth. He says all scripture is God breathed. All of it. And it is profitable for teaching. For instruction. For rebuking. Because sometimes we need the rebuke. And all scripture. But if you're just stuck with the sermon on Sunday, and you're following this thing you're doing in the morning, where you just read it for five minutes, and usually it's to inspire you along for the day, and that's where you stay, and you never get deeper in to understand what is grace, what is salvation, what does it mean to be saved, what does it mean to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to pray, what does it mean your kingdom come? And you never get in to learn some of these things you're missing out on what God has for you because there's so many keys that unlock so much for us but if we're spent so much more listening to outside information because it's a battle see it's a battle the spirit is battling to get control of the soul but the body is also doing the same thing. Yeah. And the body pulls. And if we give heed to the body, we quench the spirit. Right. So when the Bible says, God, your heart, from out of it flows the issues of life. That's what it's saying. God, that place that you make decisions with. God, that place that you get inspiration to do a thing. God, it. And how you got it is by knowing who your father is and who you are. There's a battle going on for your heart. There's a battle. And you have to fight. I wish I could just say, hey, if we raise our hands for five minutes... When we keep them raised, when we put them down, everything's going to be fine. That's not how it works. The principles have been set in the Word of God. If you close your eyes with me, if you're here and you're like me, you flirted with fantasy and it's been debilitating and it's been weakening. And you struggled to get it set in places because fantasy was just pulling you in. I want you to stand on your feet. I'm standing with you. I'm one of those people. If I was sitting in the chair right there, this is where I would stand. Because I know that I have fantasized a lot and had bad emotions in my heart. Feeling terrible. For things that are not real. Things that are not of God. Feeling depressed. Because I'm fantasizing. Feeling like my life is not enough. I'm not complete. Feeling like I'm missing a lot. But the Bible tells me that I don't lack anything. That he's blessed me with every spiritual gift in the heavenly places. I don't lack anything. You don't lack anything. But when we're caught in fantasy, it could seem so. So stand with me. I know somebody's sitting down and they need to stand. Stand with me. Because I want us to pray for us to begin a journey. This prayer, in and of itself, is not going to change anything. But the decision that you make going forward can. This prayer is just asking for God's inspiration in our hearts to be able to go in the direction that He has called us to, to be able to discern that which is good and that we should, which we should leave behind. Father, I stand with my brothers and sisters in your presence this very moment, this very morning. And our hearts and our desires, the reason why we stand here is because at the heart of it, we want to follow you. The sincerity of our hearts is shown by the fact that we stand up to say we need you, Jesus. That we cannot walk this journey alone. We know and understand and respect the fact that we are broken in and of ourselves. And so what we're praying today is we have taken out so much information and believed in lies but today i just pray that you would let your word shine that we would see his truth so that we can walk in the light that we know we ought to i pray that you give inspiration to our hearts to be able to pursue you to pursue your truth that we can be world changers that we can affect our city our state, our nation, the world by taking on the truth of your word. Help us not to miss it. And above all else, forgive us, Lord, for we have made you too small in our eyes. Now, Lord, shine your light and show us the goodness and the greatness that is in you. If everybody could stand to their feet also. I'm going to ask the altar ministry team to come to the Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.